0: Welcome to the Francisca show podcast on jewishcoffeehouse.com the show where I give a voice to Jewish issues topics and people I'm Francisca your host welcome back thank you for tuning in I hope you are following or subscribe to the show on whichever app you're listening to please review the show and talk to people about the show this is how you help grow this platform For the throwback episode for this week, I recommend you go back and listen to the post stress disorder panel, which I will link in the show notes. And there are a few things I'd like to mention to you before we start this episode. It is very personal. Yes, I have my mother and my sister on. I do want to mention that my brother chimes in at the end as well. Another point, they refer to me as Frady. That's one of my names. And today's sponsor on the show, I'd like to shout out to Rabbi Johnny Solomon once again. He is for anyone who's looking for spiritual guidance. Do you have a halacha question that you'd like to explore and discuss? Or maybe there's a Jewish topic that you'd like to learn more about. Rabbi Johnny Salman, otherwise known as hashtag the virtual rabbi, is a rabbi for those without a rabbi. And he provides online spiritual coaching. Halacha consultations, and Torah study sessions to men, women, and couples. So to find out more or to book a session with Rabbi Johnny, visit rabbijohnnysolomon.com. I will also link him in the show notes. If you don't know, I offer podcast support. If you'd like to launch your podcast, you are in luck because I have a DIY course just for you that will take you step by step and help you launch your podcast. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode, I am accepting sponsorship and promo spots over the next few weeks. This is an opportunity for me to share your message, your work with my audience. And of course, by spreading the word about this podcast, you are supporting me as well. I am Francisca. You are listening to The Francisca Show on the Jewish House Network. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Here it is. Welcome back to The Francisca Show. Today, we're here with my mother, Rebbitzindara Goldschmidt, and my sister, S.D. Goldschmidt-Shanen. Today, we are here to talk about expectations, reality around SNIAS, halachic observance levels, and intergenerational dynamics around that. So, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having us, Francisca. It's an honor to be here.
0: Both be with back. With you again. Yeah, and with my mom. First time ever. First time ever together. First time together. Both of you are on here for the second time. Esty's actually here a third time now.
1: It's a chazaka.
0: Chazaka. I would like to start with Mommy. I'd like to start with you. Tell us a little bit about what your dreams and expectations were as a young mother. What's parenting going to be like? How are your children going to turn out? And what you envision your
2: future to be? Loaded question. I always felt that having children is a big responsibility because it's one thing to be committed to the Missouri yourself, but it's another thing to take on the responsibility that your children will also choose to be part, strong links in the chain. I I remember once looking at one of your older brothers while he was playing. He was seven years old and, and I was thinking, yeah, he does everything the way he's supposed to. He says the breathes and he does Nagelwasser in the morning, but what do I really know what he's thinking on the inside? How can a parent affect the inner workings, the inner life? How can we know? It's one thing to do what you're supposed to do when you're living as a child in your parents' home, but I I understood that, I guess I'll use the word fear of am I going to fulfill my responsibility by making sure that our kids are inspired inside and committed to Hashem from, from their own, from their own, not, not because they're someone's children, but because they're the children of Hashem.
0: Thank you. And I want to thank you again
2: for being open to
0: having this conversation.
2: I'll just add that the reason I agreed to do this is because when I was going through challenges and when I ever go through challenge, I, I don't like to go through it alone. And when I felt I couldn't find someone to talk to, nobody wanted to talk about it. And even today, I have a few cousins who are challenged with, maybe you could even say, more serious issues than I had, and they're not ready to talk about it. So I know I felt lonely, and if this conversation can be a help to someone, that's why I'm willing now to put myself in a position where I'm vulnerable and already feeling emotional.
0: We appreciate you tremendously. And
2: you've always been yeah. super important. I'll, I'll also add that when I look at the two of you <laughs> together, and how much love I have for both of you. And trust, obviously, if I'm ready to be here with you.
0: <laughs> okay, so fast forward our conversations today around the fact that we, we didn't all turn out how we were um, penciled in in your imagination as a young mother.
2: I remember when you were... Maybe you were 13 or 14, and you told me that you went to Lakewood and you visited with cousins, and you thought that you were like them because that's what I told you. You're all the same. You're wonderful from Jewish children, but you realized you're not like them, even though you thought that you were, but then you understood you're not.
0: And What did we mean by that for anyone listening who might have no idea what realization we had? So a story came to mind. I don't know
1: if this is the story you're referring to. I have very few memories of going to Lakewood. But the story is in Moscow. For us, like, the really from people were Torah's Chaim. And I don't know. I was eight years old, like, really small. And I was playing with mommy's nail polish. And I put on nail polish. And mommy told me, it's okay. You could wear nail polish. But we're going for dinner to a Torah's Chaim event. And you're going to be the only girl who's wearing nail polish. So we went to the event and I sat on my hands the entire time. <laughs> like it wouldn't take them out of the chair. And this girl was really sweet. She was talking to me. And at some point, she's like, why are you sitting this way? And I, I couldn't. I just told her I'm wearing nail polish and I'm so uncomfortable. And she said, no, it's OK. But I just remember sitting there like feeling very uncomfortable. <laughs> How old were
0: you? <laughs> I'm not religious enough. Like old enough to remember, but I was very young. When mommy started talking about the story with the Lakewood cousins, the memory that I have is that we wanted to be accepted, when we, accepted but something that people have picked up on is that when we're in Israel with one type of Jew, we could sort of speak their language and understand their culture and as younger kids, we were able to fit in and look exactly like our Lakewood cousins because all you have to do is wear a pleated skirt and say, Baruch Hashem, and then you're exactly like them. And that camouflage can go through to a certain point. But then when you grow up and you realize you actually want to choose an identity and embrace who you are, no matter where you go, that's when conflict started creeping it probably. From my
1: perspective, Frady was always much better at the camouflage stuff. Like, Frady was able to go someplace and, like, hear what they're saying and be like, yeah, that's what they say, and then go home and not think twice about it. And I would have these internal dilemmas and conflicts, like, who am
0: I? Am I like that? Am I pretending? Am I doing something wrong? Esti, take us through a little bit of that growth spurt in this area. I mean, so from my perspective, I think,
1: and mommy correct me if I'm wrong, but I was a very good kid. Like up until leaving home, I was very, very close with my mother, who was, is a very righteous woman, community at the forefront of her mind. I was very involved in all of the initiatives. I translated a lot, uh, sort of stepped in wherever was needed. And I, like when I think of myself pre sixteen. I don't think of myself as having a desire or a mind that's separate from what I understand my parents wanting of me. I remember the long walks we would take on Chavez, and, and you would tell me something and you'd be like, do you agree? And I'd be like, yeah, of course I agree. Like, what, what else would I think? And then going to seminary was the first time that I was away for an extended period of time and the authority figures actually presented things that were in conflict with the values I was raised with. And, you know, before my parents sent me away, my mother told me, you know, take the good and leave the bad. And that's something, as I said, Frady was always better at than I was. You know, I, I would sort of absorb everything, memorize everything that's being told. I was, I was also, like in Gateshead, I was very good. I remember doing Chlamish Rashi Every every week going over the whole thing, like by the time I left, I knew Valpe. but there were definitely challenges in terms of putting together what I was hearing with what I was raised. Like just one example was the constant degradation of anyone who wasn't us. Like that's just not the values we were raised with. The other thing was a very extreme emphasis on sneus to the point where it was turning me off. I don't know that I consciously admitted that it was turning me off, but I remember we had Rabbi Falk. He was the halacha rabbi in Gateshead. He is the author of the famous book, Oz Lavusha Levusha. And maybe even his classes weren't, you know, the most triggering point. The most difficult piece was that the girls in Gateshead, like the 450-something students, viewed him as like this deity, like this amazing person and the stories they would say about him he's so kadosh he's so holy that he's able to to talk about women's clothing all day and not and not be nixhal and not not have negative thoughts that's how amazing he is and when they asked him how could he do it he said to me women are like chickens and like there are a few things that stand out like he and he taught a few things there were only like six or seven rabbis and all the rabbis taught many different things so he also taught to and i remember spacing out in one of the classes, and it was talking about, in Bag FN, and we were talking about a grapevine, and then I spaced out, and I tuned back in, and he's talking about pregnant women, and the shirts they're wearing are so tight, you can see everything, and it's so inappropriate, and I remember just thinking, how did we go from a vineyard, and a Pusik in Tehillim, to, to talking about <laughs> how tight pregnant women's shirts are, <laughs> like, this is so random, or another class where he walked in, and I think it was Dinim Cullen, where we did the Dinim of... And how you're supposed to do it. And when you're supposed to say the bracha and how much water you're supposed to have in the cup, like those types of things. And he said, today, we're going to take a break from Dean Collin, because there's something way more important that I have to talk to you about. He said, you know, the weather's getting nicer and the winter's over. And in the winter, I thought all the girls were super tznias because everyone's tights were so thick. But now that the weather is warmer, I saw a girl walking in front of me and her tights were see-through. So he spent the next 45 minutes talking about stockings and what's see-through enough, how opaque they have to be, what level of denier there are, and there are different brands. So 40 denier from one brand may be okay, but 40 denier from another brand is too transparent. And then, like, the crazy thing again is the girls started raising their hands and asking questions. But what if I only have 20 denier stockings because I didn't know this before coming here? And he started answering them the way a rab would answer a halacha shaila about, is this kosher or not? And then the next day, the girls in the seminary started wearing, like everyone was wearing two pairs of stockings, one on top of the other because he said, oh, that's a good solution. Put on two 20 denier stockings and you have 40 denier coverage. So it's like just being in that environment and being like, am I going to the crazy one or is everyone else just really not fitting in? Like I don't, I don't judge, like this is how they were brought up. But for me, it was very difficult to reconcile. And I don't even think this was on a conscious level, but when I came home during the second year of circus, uh, mommy already started realizing that something's off. I wasn't inspired <laughs> about Yiddish guy. Like I never, I never in my head thought I would rebel or not do anything. And it didn't occur to me. I was just not excited to do anything. So that perhaps was the the beginning of my departure and, and you know, figuring out, figuring out my own journey. And I think from from that point, for me, there was no going back to what was before that. You know, I had left home already and moving forward, it was figuring out my own path. And that that would be the next couple of years. And I think, you know, it it was definitely challenging and interesting for me. But I know that also for my mother, it was very
0: difficult. I'll interject. Thank you so much, Esty, for sharing all this context and information. So we have Esty going along in her gate set skirts and her 40 denier stockings and her collar shirts. And then a few years later, wherever we are, SD is married and does not cover her hair, and you wear pants. One minute. So
2: SD got married at 25. So there's a lot that happened from 19 to 25. From 16, mommy.
0: SD, how about this? Tell us your dress
2: code (laughs) and when did things change from Sam SD? I think things changed for you inside, but I knew about it much later because I was far away. And it's like, you didn't come out to me till you were already comfortable in your new decisions, but I, w- I wasn't aware of them because I was far away. I didn't view
1: it as a coming out or not coming out. For me, it was also, I'm looking back now and I'm viewing things in perspective and understanding what happened. You know, at the time, I wasn't like, oh, now I'm making decisions on my own. Oh, from today on, I'm not going to be seeing Like that's not that's not how it was at all. Before I went to Gateshead, mommy, I don't know if you remember, but you and my aunt... Danielle, we went to Brooks Brothers and to Ruthie's, the Jewish store. And we were like, what do the Beysiakov girls wear? And they were like, they wear the Brooks Brothers button down shirts with the sweater and the pleated skirt. And I got that. And of course, I buttoned it to the top button. And in Gateshead, I came to Gateshead on the first day and they thought I was firmer (laughs) than the rest of them. But the thing that women who struggle with weight know that a few pounds up and a few pounds down could be the difference between a skirt covering your knees and not covering your knees so when i was purchasing clothes for myself in gateshead and then when i came to the u.s and was in stern from my perspective the clothing i purchased was always sneas but the first time i remember having a reaction from someone else as if it wasn't seeing was from mommy you was one skirt i bought in h&m that i loved and i was wearing it and you were like how could you wear this it's so short and i didn't think it was short when i stood it Covered my knees, and you said yes, but when you walk, it doesn't, it goes up. I don't know. And that was like the first time I remember having tension. I remember a lot of tension around the time when I was in Stern. I remember also walking into my aunt's house in one of the skirts you actually bought me. It was one of those pleated skirts, but I had gained a few pounds, so it was higher on my waist. And you said, oh my gosh, here's another skirt. You know, I hadn't seen you in a few months. And you said, here, this one will cover your knees better. Put this one on. So I remember getting reactions from you indicating that I'm not Sneas before I even thought that I'm doing something that's wrong or not sneas I didn't start wearing pants until much later until maybe I was 24 25 I think like for me it was just shorter skirts that didn't necessarily always cover my knees and and clothing that was tighter than my mother would have liked so in my head I was still perfectly sneas but I know that that wasn't the perception my mother had and that
2: it was very difficult for her at that time I think this whole conversation is possible to have because Baruch Hashem, we love each other so much and we're so grateful that we have each other. And that, as Omama would say, sei dank, you're married to such a wonderful man. And you have such a delicious baby and you're Shomer Shabbos and you're a wonderful person. And so this conversation is easy to have. Not easy, but possible to have now because unlike other people, you I mean, there, there's much worse that could be. So not for one minute do I take that for granted. And I just want to put that out there. But at the moment, when you first say, well, my daughter, who runs all the programming and the Shabbatons and the camps and has brilliant ideas and she's so inspiring, what, is she slipping off? Is she slipping off the slope? Could that be? I remember once standing on line in the airport waiting to check in and... Oh, mama called me and said, don't worry, I'm with you. We'll handle it together. I'm davening for her. And I remember the fear, like, what, am I going to lose my, my... So now, but at, at the moment where things are happening and you don't know how far it's going to go and you don't know where it's going and you're far away and it's hard to connect, so that's very scary. And, and you think, can't be happening to me. And another thing I just wanted to share was that when I understood that, you know, you're making different life choices and I don't even know where these choices are going to lead you because you make one choice and it takes you to another place where you didn't bargain on that when you made your first choice. You end up in, in uncharted borders. It was hard for me to function anymore as a Rabbitson. Why should I be a Rabbitson? Why should I teach? Why should I, what well, I can teach Torah, I, people should take advice from me. I can't even speak to my own daughter. I can't even help my own child. So I remember a couple of years of not being really able to function in my life as well. So Esty, knowing
0: that that was devastating mommy so much, I remember thinking, why does she have to do that? Doesn't she see how upsetting it is for mommy? Like when we're with her, can you just pretend or be respectful or whatever it is? Tell us what's going through your head.
1: I was aware of... Of how difficult it was for you it was you know during those time during those years i feel like it was almost impossible to have a relationship because i would see you and even if i tried or i thought i was wearing my good clothes or my appropriate clothes i would see the i don't want to say resentment but the sadness on your face and I saw the internal battle you're going through and we couldn't we couldn't speak about anything else. There there was nothing to talk about. It was like the big elephant in the room and I think during those years the relationship was difficult. To Frady's point, also when I was in Shadokim, I remember Shah calling me after a date and telling me the boy said that he saw your knees when you were sitting on the date. Why can't you just wear can you can you wear a longer skirt on the next date? And I was speaking to my therapist and the therapist said, why can't you just wear a longer skirt? Like, don't you just see that it's harming you into the like more people are saying no. And if you wear a longer skirt, you'll just eliminate that issue. And I have two comments to that. Number one is I tried. It wasn't like I was buying skirts that are intentionally short. But it's like there's also a point where you feel like you're dressing up and it feels insincere and it just feels like it's not me and I'm wearing a costume and I can't live my life feeling like I'm being someone else like in the end of the day I'm me and you know I didn't feel accepted during those years like if I could give advice to another mother going through a similar dilemma from the daughter's perspective like if you could keep the conversation going and saying okay so I wouldn't wear the skirts she wears but we still love each other and there's still so much going on and, and to keep the relationship going, I think I think that would have probably been the best thing. I was able, you know, to find support in other people and ultimately ended up making some different choices also with regard to marriage. But the point is number one, I did try to be respectful. I didn't try to come places and be offensive. You know, to this day I do try to be respectful when I go somewhere where I know the norms are specific. That being said, there's a limit to how respectful I can be. One thing that comes to mind is we had this dilemma with stockings, and we were on and off with stockings. sometimes it was okay, sometimes it wasn't. but at some point in our lives, it was definitely okay to not wear stockings. But then when you would go someplace where the custom is to wear stockings, you know, we would have the conversations and we would wear stockings to that place. But for someone else, being respectful might mean wearing a longer skirt just not sticking out like a sore thumb. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that there are golden rules. But in the end of the day, if if I go somewhere and I feel uncomfortable or I feel like I'm being someone I'm not, I'm not going to keep on going to that place. But if I go somewhere and I feel like, yeah, I can I can be the more modest version of myself, but I still feel like I can be myself. Then then I will keep on going and I will keep on connecting. And I'm really glad that like in my family, afraid you're one of those people Danielle is one of those people you know at this point mommy I feel comfortable in your house as well but it's a place where you feel accepted for who you are and and in gratitude for that acceptance you're you're also
0: willing to be more respectful I would never go to Muncie in pants mommy can you share with us some of the feelings you've had then some of the work you've done because I know you've been working on trying to change how you feel around
2: this even when I was going through it I always thought, like I'm, it's like two people. I have students who are coming from, you know, all sorts of backgrounds, and I honestly never even look at the way they dress. I just see them. I look in their eyes. I love them, and no problem. When it's your own child, and I understood that it's completely different. I just want
1: to respond to that point that I was speaking with a friend of mine with Lonnie. And she was like, your mother? And I was telling her how it's very difficult for me with my mother because I can't have a conversation with her. It always it revolves around this. same. So she says, your mother? You can do whatever you want around your mother. She's the most chill person ever. And I was like, with other people maybe, but not with me. You could
0: proceed, mommy.
2: <laughs> and I also always had in my head, thank God, there's health. And thank God there's all the blessings that we do have. How can I, why should I be so destroyed over this just one issue? it almost seemed irrational to me. Like if I would explain to anyone on the street, like what's making me so sad, what's making me so down and upset, only to someone who has my background and my expectations could experience and understand what I'm experiencing. I know that each person makes choices and chooses the life they live. And in a way, we want our children to go live their lives and live their happy lives. On the other hand, (laughs) We want them to live the happy lives that we understand will give true happiness in this world and in the next world. I remember reading a podcast written by someone who I respect very much. And she described the fact that she's been so sad because she has a child who maybe stopped observing Mitzvot. And nobody or secular people couldn't understand why is she so upset? And she wrote, I understand that, thank God, there's good health and all the things to be grateful for. But when she looked around at her cousins and other children in her children's classes, and they were maybe from less religiously inspired homes, but somehow, more or less, the kids grow up and they tow the party line. Like, Why couldn't my kids just tow the party line at least? And I also felt like, why can't my kids just, the minimum, just tow the party line? If you can't do the maximum, do the minimum. And a lot of self-pity and a lot of confusion. And I knew I needed help because it was really beginning to obsess me. I wasn't very functional for a couple of years.
0: So how did you get to the place you
2: are now? And where are you now? So number one, the place where I am now <laughs> is in a very good place, even though I still struggle when I let myself go to that place that wants what I want. But I, I did a lot of therapy to try to understand where's my place, what Arjem expects from me at a certain point. You don't take responsibility anymore for the choices your children make. I think ultimately what saved me was the fact that I love my child so much and respect her so much. That, but I just thank God that that she's still very much, very much part of Am Yisrael. So if it, I would get nothing, would I? how would I be in such a test? I, God shouldn't test me with that. But with the test that I got, I am very grateful that this is where I'm at. And I love my my child. I just, I don't, I don't want to miss out on my child. I want my child that I love and I, that I adore. I want to stay with her. I want to talk to her. Thank God she's the worst I have. These are the best of times. These are the worst of times. No, but I remember also just, you know, crying to my mother and saying, crying to Booby and saying, this one... Well their children are just doing what they're supposed to be doing and that one all well, their children just why what what why are my children just doing what they're supposed to be doing like what why do I have to deal with this impossible And Booby said to me stop stop right now stop looking at anybody else
1: Booby when we would make our own decisions your mother she she would tell us well your mother I wanted her living right next to me and she picked up and went to Russia and lived her own life, and she wasn't going to make decisions based on how I would respond because she had to live her own life. No, but she's 100% right. You and Daddy both raised us. Live your own life. Think for yourselves. Make your own decisions. Carve your own paths. Take the, the path less traveled. And, you know, in the way we're living our lives, Freddy. correct me if I'm not speaking for you, but I think for myself, looking at our siblings, for all of us, we've, we've all charted our own path. And we've, that was very heavily encouraged by you. You know, we, were, we left home. You sent us away from home at very young ages. You know, I left when I was 15. So yes, yes, I understand your dilemma being like, yes, I wanted you to make your own choices, but to make exactly the ones I wanted you to make. But given where the cards fell, I understand that it was difficult for you. And, and I'm sorry about that. I felt like with
2: all the trust, with all the trust and... Hopes, But you, you felt like I was doing it to you. No, and I didn't. I was never doing anything to you. And I didn't feel that you were doing it to me, but I felt that somehow the trust that we had in you was betrayed somewhere. I trusted you to go out in the big world and to to embrace different possibilities, but never at the expense of the spirituality and Yiddishkeit. And when, when I saw that is slipping, I said, I felt betrayed. Like, how could that have happened?
1: You also never went to Gateshead. You never experienced. You didn't have the same experiences I had. And it's it's okay to say you know go through those things, take the good and leave the bad, or process it in a certain way. But at the end of the day, once you, once you let the elements out there, you don't know how the algorithm will pan out. There there were so many factors that went in, and it was it was also a long journey. Like who knows what would have happened if I ended up getting married at eighteen or nineteen or. If I married someone else or if I stayed in Gateshead for the full three years, like who knows? There were so many different paths and options. And I might be editorializing here and psychoanalyzing, but I think like part of the connection that we had when I was younger, where I I didn't disagree with you because in in essence, like your opinion was my opinion. When I was out there sort of becoming my own person, forming my own opinions, you know, figuring out my questions that might have been the clothing piece might have been a way of masking the separation anxiety of that closeness that we had or that unison part of growing up and part of going away automatically meant that that unison wouldn't have been the same anymore. Honestly, I don't know that had I had I gone, let's say, to the full, you know, gates extent and moved to B'nai B'r-B-Rock or Curious Safer and followed that journey that you would have been too thrilled either. I don't know.
0: No, we don't know. I would like to go a little deeper. There are men listening to this, probably fathers, brothers. What's the big deal, right? And I think people don't understand. Or people who following the Tzniah Salacha, let's say of Rabbi Falk, it's just so easy and they just don't get it. Why do you have to create your whole life identity around this? if you see your mother suffering so much, and I'm asking these questions because I truly feel a lot of, I could feel Esty's experience, I could feel Mommy's experience, and I just think there's just a massive part of the population that just doesn't understand this experience at all and how suffocating can be for one person. What are you
2: trying to say, that the majority of people who just go through the system and have, and embrace the SNES rules and they don't even understand why people are challenged by it. I'm asked is that what you're asking?
0: Not challenged, but like there're plenty of people who are sucking it up because that's just how it is. And maybe when they go to Miami to Florida, they let go a little bit. Maybe they never let go, but they secretly resent it. Maybe they move far away. Whatever it is, not everybody chooses to, Esty has a strong personality, and for her it would be betrayal to her identity if she would have to put on a costume every day. And even though she knew she was causing you pain, it was important to her. I, I don't want to put words, go ahead, take over
1: her. When you're posing this question, the thing that comes to my mind is mask wearing and covid it's like for a lot of people, it was like, just put on those masks, protect everyone around you. Don't break any rules. What's the big deal? And for the people for whom it was a big deal covering their face, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a piece of cloth on my face. You you don't tell me what's the big deal to wear a mask. Why, do, Why am I here having to defend myself because I want to not cover my face? And you're the one with the rights. So it's like I'm here dressing how I am, you know in my life. And then you're coming and saying, "Why can't you just wear a longer skirt? Why can't you just wear stockings? What's the big deal?" It's just it's like coming into a secular place and saying, "Everyone put on a burqa. What's the big deal?" To be respectful. For the people who don't do that, it's a
0: big deal. If if I go to Iran, but the response will be Torah's on the side or Halakha's on the side, not somebody's rights, for example. So how do you respond to that?
1: I believe when in Rome, do as the Romans if I go to Iran for vacation and you don't wear the thing, you'll get arrested. I'll wear the thing. It doesn't mean anything to me. But also, I probably won't go to Iran for vacation, and that will be a big part of it. For me, also, when I got married, a big question was, do you wear a wig when you go home or not? It was a big conversation I had with my husband. But ultimately, you know, we, we decided that I, I'll I'll wear a skirt and a long sleeve top, a top with sleeves, and, and that's me being respectful, but but me wearing a wig, is it's just not...
2: I remember when you were engaged, I didn't know, are you going to cover your hair or you're not going to cover your hair? I assumed you're not going to cover your hair based on conversations we had. And suddenly you said, no, you're covering your hair. And your mother-in-law is buying you a wig. And I was like, is, could this be? Can't be. Okay, I'm certainly not saying anything. But I'm i am not... It's not for me. And I remember we were walking around on the streets of Ruchelheim and you said, oh, maybe I should get a snood. I said, are you are you just telling this to me because you think I want to hear this? Like, I'm happy to buy you snoods, but I don't have to waste a few hundred shekel to buy you snoods if you just are humoring me now. He said, no, I want to do this. And we went and you chose a few snoods and I'm thinking, is she pulling my leg? Is she serious? Like, what's going on here? But who am I to say? If if, if she's having these feelings and something she wants to grow into her heritage. So (laughs) I bought those snoods. And I mean, certainly to wear a shaito, you bought the shetel, and you wanted to wear it, and you said that you wanted to take on this mitzvah. It's your mitzvah. And I was extremely thrilled about it, but I didn't show my thrill, and I didn't try to get emotionally engaged to it. But I was, of course, very happy, but let's just say not entirely <laughs> sure how... Trusting. No, also yeah. knowing that it wasn't on your husband's checklist of necessary items.
1: I don't cover my hair because of shell and bias. <laughs> okay. No, but I did the, the, mommy's making a good point i was I was pretty excited to cover my hair, and I did it for a good few weeks after after I got married. so yeah I, I, I had really bad headaches. And I got lice when we got back to the States.
0: so a few things came together and another question: how do you go from shorter skirts to pants? Like how does that happen through the gym? and was it ever intentional? With the shorter skirts, because you've mentioned many times how it wasn't intentional, but you were getting the negative comments or reactions yeah. or even facial expressions. Because with mommy, you don't have to say anything. Sometimes we know exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. When did it become intentional? I think it became
1: more intentional during the time that I was dating. And when I was dating, I still was not wearing pants until maybe the last year. But I was, I, I would go on a date and I would intentionally wear the skirt that when I sat did not cover my knees and I would intentionally not wear stockings because if that was an issue, I'd rather it be on the table on the first date. And then if someone doesn't want to go out again because of that, awesome. We know it's not a shit off. because I'm not going to just wear stockings for the rest of my life just to make a guy happy. Like that wasn't the type of thing I was going to do. And that conversation with the therapist of why don't you just wear a longer skirt? I was like, that's actually the point. I'll, I'll be dafka, wear the shorter skirt. I'll be dafka, show that I'm not going to do those things for someone.
0: Mommy, are you there? Are you here? Yeah. Okay. Phone call or you just need a time out?
2: No, it was <laughs> just listening to that just made me need to take a deep breath away from the camera. I'm
0: sorry. Okay. Mommy, I want to ask you about some comments and some feelings you've had socially because you are a and you've raised us in a way where we had the role of being an example to the community of what judaism meant and looked like talk to us about your social self-judgment or maybe there actually was judgment from other people shame failure
2: those feelings so first of all i I didn't know if I had failed in my own mission. That was number one, that was foremost. Number two, as far as other people, it's interesting. My mother always said, if you're not gonna talk about it with people, no one's gonna talk about it with you. But you can be sure they're talking about you, just not to you. So I didn't talk about it really. So people didn't talk about it to me either. (laughs) I don't know what people said to each other. Maybe people didn't wanna talk to me because they thought it would be hard for me or if I wasn't talking, so they weren't talking. But this is really the first time I'm talking about it in a public domain. I can say that with my close family, of course, I talked about it a lot because I cried about it a lot.
0: Did you feel like daddy was on the same page with you or understood you or did you feel like that was your... Daddy
2: definitely understood me, but he has this more solution-oriented approach to life. Like, okay, not everything turns out the way you want. But you still get up in the morning and you have your life. Don't throw your days away in misery over something that's not your choice and something that's not your responsibility already at this point. An adult child does what an adult child does. So you still have your life to live. But
1: just from my perspective, daddy's solution or whatever you're calling it, I never felt a rift with him. I always felt respected. I I didn't feel that distance from him. And for me, like I was just, you know, moving forward and making decisions about my life. I felt like he was he was doing his thing and, you know, we, we were able to connect when we saw each other and it was tension free, I would say. So I, I was grateful during those years to have his support because I know it would have been much more difficult if I would have been <laughs> excommunicated by both parents. <laughs> to go back to your comment of like, what's the big deal? Just wear a longer skirt like the, the same question could be flipped on its head and can ask mommy what's the big deal it's just a shorter skirt she's not a drug addict she's not you know pregnant out of wedlock so like all of these questions can go both ways and i think ultimately it's about mutual respect and understanding that people will make their own choices
2: that's very true still as parents you're parenting young children and making all the decisions and every step of raising children is a new learning experience And I guess I didn't know where, you know, I I imagine that even though you seem to have a very clear (laughs) about what's the big deal, but parents have expectations for their children. Parents raise their children with certain dreams and aspirations and hopes. And, you know, maybe someone uh, aspires that their child will be, you know, get a great education and do something with their lives. And if the child decides he just wants to, you know, smoke weed and sit on the beach, as an adult to make that choice and be, so it might be hard for another parent to deal with that because parents have their aspirations. Parents invest their whole lives in their children. And it's not always easy for parents to quote unquote, give up on what they want very badly and expect and aspire to and educate for. Although of course, in the end of the day, adult children will make their own decisions and parents can accept it and continue to have relationships or cut themselves off? And where would that be? I mean, you're parents. So yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody has the intentionality. I'm just going to do the best I can and best everything I can and whatever my child decides. It's great. Maybe there are some people who can do it. I think maybe going through this experience will, will bring you onto a more aware road, but I go back and I say, wow, did I handle that so badly? Did I do that so badly? What did I do wrong? And I just say at each step of the way, including right this conversation, I'm doing it, I hope, with good intentions, with love in my heart, hoping to reach someone and be a comfort to someone. That's it. I can only answer Hashem for that.
1: I think you were always well-intentioned, but so was I. And I feel like, you know, looking at our siblings and I feel like I was... I was the only one who got that reaction at the time that I did like to the point where I felt like my younger sister started making decisions on purpose to not be like me so as not to provoke that kind of reaction from from parents. And the question is, as parents, do you want your children to make life choices because you'll react a certain way? Is that a way to, to set them out? I don't know. The point is that you also have people who influenced your reaction where it's like you're reacting because you don't want someone to end up in a bad path. It's not just this isn't the way I raised you. What Frady's saying is if it was just you're making a different choice, that alone wouldn't be so triggering.
2: Right. Like if you're choosing to be a teacher or a lawyer, so that's fine. But I don't think that other siblings made choices because of that. I just want you to know I'm trying to be as sincere and honest as I can. I'm and not you are. I'm not trying to paint yeah. a picture of a younger sibling's choices. I don't think that just because you caused me tsar, another sibling would have made the exact same choices, but she saw how sad I was, so she decided to not make those choices. Everything that we do impacts us. And everything that we see and hear around us also impacts us. Now, I just think it's belittling to everyone's life and choices if we if it's convenient for us to say. They made choices in order to keep mommy not sad.
1: I had a specific conversation with Racheli where we discussed this thing. She was particularly traumatized by that experience. We were both in America. I remember coming back from a breakup and sobbing in the shower, thinking no one heard me. And I came out and Racheli had this horrified face look on her face. And like I knew that she just went through something seeing me going through something. And I discussed that with her. And she did say, like, seeing me going through. What I went through made her choose things differently. So it's not like I'm inventing and psychoanalyzing and imposing or saying that the other siblings do something.
0: I'm asking this because I am also challenged and I think about these things, not because I am interrogating you. (laughs) I am looking to learn and I'm raising daughters as a mother of daughters. So I'm challenged with these questions. So when mommy says, you know, teacher versus doctor, your personal choices here. The choices are, you know, you call yourself orthodox, but then you're not being Shomer Halacha. What's the rationale that goes on for somebody who says, I keep kosher, Taras Meshpacha, Shabbos, I am from, to this is not a halacha I choose to keep, or I don't hold that this is halacha, because we had this Snias episode a few weeks ago with Dr. Emanuel Block who said those halachas were created very recently, And if you were living somewhere else, those halachas would have never been applied to you because you never had those rabanim around you. Orthodox Jews today don't look like Avram Avinu did. They might have been even firmer, who knows. But the point is, it's a new invention of what we look like, the garb and the look.
1: I definitely think that the stockings and the pleated skirts are not... um... The (laughs)
0: button-downs.
1: yeah. I mean it's it's great people can wear that like there's no question that it's modest i remember having a conversation with a girl in gateshead and she was i think Sotmar, i don't know how she ended up there it was like they don't even go to seminary and we're having a conversation and she goes i'm the most serious girl in sem my tights are green and it's like isn't there like something wrong with saying you're the most modest person in the seminary but ultimately certain pieces turned me off dinner late and it marriage was a big part of it figuring out a path that's going to work what can i live by where i'll feel like i'm embodying my values without feeling suffocated and that's where we landed i think it's 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 unique i definitely don't fit into a box like we've had this conversation i don't i don't feel at home in ex community or you know in certain in certain ways i still when i think to my experiences to davening i prefer the haredi davening i prefer I remember and prefer a lot of those things. And at the same time, I don't go to shul because you know the shul I'll go to is Haredi, but I won't go to it because I don't like sitting behind the mechitzah. So it's a path that, and I think it's much safer as communities when there are very clear guidelines and it's your elbows and it's your collarbone and it's very clear, are you covering, are you not? And and it's it's easier to raise communities that way and make shidduchim and, and prove continuity. Ultimately, for whatever reason it didn't work out for me that way and i had to do my own thing from my perspective you know listening to mommy's pain like i never wanted to inflict that pain i definitely do not want to be the devil in the story <laughs> it was like here she is making all of these decisions ruining her parents reputation uh, i had to find a way to live where i can where i can live with myself and, and be comfortable in my own skin and it it took a while but thank god i feel i feel like i'm in a place like that today
2: Having children make choices forces the parents to again reevaluate all of their choices. And I feel that I'm also on my journey because I filter everything that happens to my children through myself. And what's really important, what's 100% important, what's 60% important. And I also feel like I'm growing from this whole process and I and I feel like just talking to you and Freddy right now I think First of all, I think it's a very, the word beloved comes to my mind. <laughs> Just to sit and discuss ideas and to discuss hashkafa, I think that in the end of the day, that's what Hashem wants us to do with our time. To discuss ideas and to struggle with the truth and to search. Hashem wants us to develop our soul, our tzalim to the maximum. And each person does it in their own way. And that's 100%.
0: And one of the missions in this podcast is to give women ways of being Jewish and connected to Judaism without Snias being the all.
2: The defining. The defining factor, which it is right now. I think that in certain circles, maybe it is. But I think we know enough Jews who are so committed to Hashem and to Jewish life and to the Jewish nation and to the Jewish country. And they do it, each one in their own way. Not everyone looks the same and dresses the same. And we don't know how Hashem is judging the situation from up there in Shemayim. The Nevim say again and again, be kind to each other, help each other. It's not only about external show. And even Rav Miller said, when Judaism becomes a circus and a theater, and it's all about the the way you look.
1: So
2: that's the beginning of the destruction of the world. I think that when Hashem sees maybe people not dressed so tzeis, but they're 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 most nefesh to to further the Jewish cause and make a kiddush Hashem, I'm the last one that's gonna judge someone's tzeis. But again, everything is always every everything is always theory. When it comes to your own child, it, it, it's closer, to home.
1: But ultimately, what's your advice to other mothers going through that? Like,
2: so the advice that spiritual mentors today are giving, which is much different. From what it was in previous generations is that you just always include your child you just keep that connection you keep the love going they tell the parents just swallow it just keep your child close love your child that's the most important thing
1: i agree i, I love that
2: i will i never stopped loving you that that's 100 percent sure i was dealing with my own learning experiences sometimes sometimes parents have to grow up also
1: what if you wouldn't have been so overwhelmed by that sadness and you would have been able to, to just show love and say, Oh, that skirt's so cute. If you want to go shopping for other skirts, cause you're really fat now <laughs> or something like that. Like maybe I never would have even like gone to that place where I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm not modest. I, you know, this is who I am now. And my brother doesn't talk to me because I like, who knows how... The moral me, The moral it, it of like the story is that you
2: can never gain a few pants.
1: Never gain any weight. That's the moral of the story. If I could have just worn, just been super sneeze, I, I totally would have. In my life, if I could have always said the appropriate thing, I would have said the appropriate thing. That's just not the person I am. I say what I think, and that has gotten me in <laughs> trouble more than once in different situations in my life. And in speech, you know, it, it, it upsets you less, but in clothing, it accepted you a lot more.
0: So... Esti, what would your advice be?
1: Yeah, I mean, my advice to other girls, ultimately, you're not going to run away from being yourself. If- no, I'll just give an example.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'll give an example. I, yeah. I was listening to a from young man who was mm-hmm. bisexual.
1: Okay. Okay. Okay.
2: And he said that he was attracted to women and to men. And he's from. And he loves Yiddishkeit. So what am I thinking when I'm hearing him Just speak? choose the girl. Just choose the girl. Even if you choose one woman there might be other women even if you're straight you might choose one woman and there might be other women that come along that you're attracted to but that's it you figure it out and you chose your one person and that's it so just if you're also attracted to women so just choose at least then you'll have your your religious life and he's so someone who was on that zoom call asked that question i was quite happy that she asked that question and he said i can't because then i'm denying my identity and so I can't. And I'm, I'm getting very few shit of suggestions now. I used to get a shit of suggestion every day, and now I don't get any, because I must express out loud that I am bi. Okay, so because he has to express that he's bi, because that's his identity. But also, what
1: does it mean he expresses he's bi? Does he walk around with a sign on his chest, I'm bi? Or if someone starts inquiring personal information about him or flirting with him, he says, oh, I'm actually, you know what I mean?
2: Whatever, I don't know exactly what it means, but it means that... He discusses it and it's part of his identity because he has to feel comfortable in his own skin.
0: Right. That's the problem when your identity is wrapped up in sexuality because normally people don't talk about their sexuality when they introduce themselves. But for people whose sexual orientation is not straight, it becomes the center of their identity. But
1: I don't even like the question. Like when the people who wanted other people to mask up, we're saying, why can't you just wear a mask? Like, you're asking me to do something extra. Why do I have to defend myself for not wanting to do that? Like, when someone says, why can't you just dress differently? Like, you're asking me to do something that I don't want to do, that I'm not doing. Why do I have to defend myself when you're the one imposing something on me? That's my response to that question.
2: But who's imposing it?
1: The person who's
0: saying, why can't you just? What's the big deal?
2: Nobody's saying that.
0: I think what Esty's saying... The community is imposing standards. The shidduch market's imposing standards. The schools, to get accepted into them, impose those standards. Exactly.
2: Okay, so forget about SNIAS. Every school has its own criteria. If you want to go to Harvard, you need there are certain standards that you need to meet.
1: So, criteria for the students. Do they have criteria for the parents of the students? Like It's a, it's a thing in the Haredi schools where they feel comfortable telling parents of children what to wear. I think that's inappropriate. They're adults. I mean, ultimately, I won't end up sending to that school.
2: Right, exactly. Every 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 community creates their scenarios and you can either choose to be part of it or not. But for those who want to be part of it and why do people want to be part of it? Either they were born into it and that's their comfort and culture or that society does sell something and have a product that people want, even at the cost of having to do things that they don't like.
1: Dobie, just join the conversation. You're here anyways.
3: Right. Doby said he wasn't invited. I'm very jealous of you guys. <laughs> I just want to say, can I express myself? I just felt like for mommy especially and for daddy also, and I agree with mommy as a it. it's the social piece is of course for mommy she cares. It's not like she doesn't care what people think. Of course she cares and it's embarrassing. But I felt like it's very much the same way sexuality defined it of that bisexual guy. So, mommy's relationship to Hashem and her wife's mission defines who she is, and tshniah is, is an important, if not the most important, part of Yiddishkeit. It is
0: the most and, visible and
3: important. Part. It's an important piece. Un-
2: it's not unim- the most important. important. Unimportant. Or important. N A, a- n. n. No, but when, you, when you say tshniah, are so you talking about danya, or are you talking about the no.
3: concept of being, a <laughs> of <laughs> being. modest of a, human being, but is part of it. it is a piece of it. There's a it's reason.
2: a piece of it, but it's not maybe the most. Yeah. But you said, if not, the most important.
3: Even though it's okay. not the most important, okay. it's an important. Okay,
2: no, I, I thought you said Got it. important.
3: The most sensitive part of the conversation, I'm not being clear, obviously. That's, about. <laughs> that's one piece that I feel like it's a very important to stress the way I see it. Yes, the betrayal is part of that and the social piece, but the most important piece is my life's mission. And that feeling of failure that is the most pain where I could see mommy sitting in bed and thinking through endlessly, where did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? What that pain of the missed opportunity, my little Esty, she's I mean, you're the pride of. No,
2: you know, Esty said that what I did wrong was that I didn't show enough love.
3: When she came back to the term-
2: moment,
3: I think that's the mo- the moment that you think over again and again, or like when a child goes through abuse and like, if only I could bring that time back. If only I could prevent that from happening. It's like that pain of missed opportunity. Now as a parent with my oldest being a teenager, you already start having this, like if only I can bring back my five-year-old child, my seven-year-old child and prevent that from happening. I totally had the power to do it, but I didn't for whatever reason. And that is extremely painful. And it's almost like you can't do anything about it. It eats of you. So that's one thing. The other thing is, as someone who loves my parents dearly, seeing them go through that pain was extremely painful for me. It was easier for me because I'm your brother. So, of course, I'm very committed to my understanding of what Yiddishkeit is and was very contrary to that, but I was distant enough from you relationship-wise where I felt comfortable that I can love you. And at a certain point, I realized if I want to have a relationship with you, I better stop getting the screaming matches with you. It's going to go nowhere. The only thing that's going to happen is I'm going to lose my relationship with you. And I made that decision with you, with Benji, with everyone else, because I'm critical and
2: impossibly
3: argumentative, standard. argumentative. I probably annoy, you, but seeing the pain being caused that engenders certain feelings of like, why are you doing this? Like, even though what you're saying is true, and I understand, I understand, I understood that, but that part of it was just very, it was painful for me to watch. But the other thing is I also want to say that I, we grew up, even though we grew up with an understanding, I was sent to Putnam and you were sent to Gateshead, but we, we both know that we grew up very much with true respect for different kinds of Jews. We grew up with a genuine, there was never looking down at other people. I didn't grow up that way. And there was pure, true respect for different kinds of Jews. And we had all of them come through the house, and it was truly positive and respect that I felt from both mommy and daddy towards those people, except for I remember one conservative rabbi who came and he was talking about, as 12 years old probably, do so you remember that? Talking rabbi about, Jane? Uh, Asha Potiphar lying naked in front of Yosef, and mommy's like, why couldn't you spare us that? No, I mean, image. no, I think or, that he was speaking about... And Bill. Reuven and Billa, right. and whatever. It's because his literal interpretation of Reuven and Billa, and... No, Kribin, that
2: also happens to be one of the Manda in in the Gemara.
3: Right, but for him, there... And no that's also options.
2: the Pshat and the Pasuk.
3: Not Pshat and Pasuk, right. But as a conservative rabbi, that's, uh, that's the Pshat, obviously.
2: So I had never seen the Pasuk before. He brought up the Pasuk, and I thought he dreamt up the Pasuk. No, and so I looked it up and I saw the puzzle was there, but that was after he left. <laughs> and so I, after I went on my rampage,
3: <laughs> I just want to say that 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 upbringing, even though I am naturally much more critical and tribal, and the the life choice that I made keep me in those circles, but my, that upbringing that I feel is at the core of who that openness enabled me to. Truly accept and respect it, and it's like taking a step back. It's like Mommy mentioned before; it's very different when it's someone very close to your heart. Someone very close to how can he do? How can you? He... But no, taking a step back and realizing that I go to a wedding as it just happened, as sitting at this wedding in a conservative temple, and as see these truly fascinating you know, women that I was sitting next to, very educated and very not the way not people that are generally associated with, I truly enjoy the conversation and and having that openness to appreciate that there's many ways to serve Hashem, there's many ways to have positive impact. And a lot of the a lot of things that people do within the social norms that are not okay. So even if for me it's equal with someone who's discussing to other people, even if I hold that SNES is very important, social constructs shouldn't define what's okay and what's not okay. And I understand that there's a lot of human fallacy in that. And just because the community I choose to identify more with, choose, says this, being elitist and not loving other Jews is not important. And you, you could do that. and But that is absolutely, without that, you're not part of the community.
1: I mean, the first point is very profound. And, you know, the second point about sort of respecting everyone, I really felt that. And that was, I think, one of the biggest, the most difficult pieces for me in Gateshead. I don't know how you dealt with that in Panovich, but I remember coming back from Gateshead to Moscow on one of the breaks. And there was a Datilumi man with like sandalim giving a sheer And I was like, what does he know? What is he talking about? They don't have to only de And I remember like not wanting to listen, not wanting to listen, but he was so good. <laughs> And the shirt was so good. And, like, at some point, I ended up just saying, like, just listen, he's so good. But, like, I I remember that conflict of, like, you're not supposed to. That's not where it comes from. That is something very beautiful that we were raised with. Just the only pity is is that mommy and daddy had to go to freaking Moscow and build their own community where they could do those values. Because once you go to a a more in-town community where there's more than one school, it's already, it's always us versus them.
3: It's very unusual the way we grew up. And, and that
1: made it much more difficult to reintegrate into the world because none of us were reintegrating. Everyone was making a choice. Dovi made a choice to join the community he did. Frady made a choice. Like, everyone had to choose the community they choose. There was no default to fall back on. None of us were going back to Moscow and moving next door to Moscow. I remember
3: as a as maybe six years old or seven years old, mommy gave me a long speech about explaining Mizrahi and Haredi. I knew there was Fardi and Ashkenazi, and she was introducing me to a new division. Mizrahi and Haredin. And she described the Haredin, they learn Torah and they're passionate, and, but they don't go to the army. And Mizrahi, they feel they all learn Torah, but they also go to the army. They feel like a civil responsibility. And she said, we're going in the summer to Israel. You think about where you want to go. So I took that very seriously. And this was after, no, so right. So when I was six, I went to the, uh, to the America's Arab school. So this is uh, This was before Bankovsky Pirulu. This was the old, this was the uh, what did it say, I think? In the kitchen, I remember. And I was
1: we had mice there. in the
3: kitchen there. I don't remember the that, the mice at that moment. There was mice also in the new apartment, though. Anyways, so I was walking back and forth, I thought about it for a long time, where it seems like a long time, and I came back to mommy I said, Mommy, I thought about it. I think I want to go to the place where they, maybe it was a few days later, where they go, do both. They will serve Hashem and they also go to serve the army, because there's civil responsibility. I said, "Oh, I already, I already booked you in the Hakaren. It's like the, the illusion of choice, the bethira, the ultimate dilemma."
1: It's totally up to you, as long as it's totally up to you,
3: as long as you make the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how we were raised. The the obvious it's it's the core of both mommy and daddy. It's so at the core of how they are to respect other Jews, different kinds of Jews, different traditions. Uh, it's very unusual. It's something I I think I. I'm actually, because Khabi is on exactly on the same page with that. She has that naturally, I think. Um, my father-in-law also had that. Um, mm-hmm. That I, I think, Amir Tzashem, I hope that my children get it because I think the elitism is, that the, is another code word for sinaschina and gets to the core of our issues. To truly be open-minded about other people, every person has their own path, their own challenges. I'm failing at some of my challenges just might not be visible From a religious standpoint. i'm sure it's visible to you but
1: that's the biggest problem with seeing us is that it's just so visible
3: yeah yeah i agree every person has their own issues and i try to justify whatever
1: doby had such a profound insight anyways
3: i truly respect it like it's so cool this project i could see it It might go viral so it makes me very nervous but
1: (laughs) i just feel like i'm the bad person here but whatever.
3: No, we F- all me. love You're it. not you the bad person. You. You're not the
1: bad
2: person. You're the good person. You're not You're the, the good love person. person. No. The person who just couldn't put on a longer skirt. The person, the person who caused her mother to grow, so much more than she ever wanted to. What didn't kill her mother?
3: I'm always critical of people who couldn't just pull it together, from my standpoint. And I heard Menachem once say,
0: Menachem is my husband. For everyone yeah. listening, you think
3: you think it's easy to come on to Shiva Lane with a pair of jeans when you're 16 or whatever. Think that's easy? It's much easier to <laughs> come in with your hat and jacket. So I, was, I thought about it with an opener. Let me think about that. Like, there is some truth to that. It is harder to come with a pair of jeans when everyone's expecting it to come in a hat and jacket. There is something to be said for that as well. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions. We no. live in America. You- Esty, by the way, this podcast, I feel like you are feeling like you're the bad person. and mommy, and mommy, And mommy could also say feel like what? Just can't, can't just get with the program.
2: Lady. No, no. You can make their own choices. I'm sure that anyone who's not a very from, brought up in a certain milieu would think this is a nuts conversation.
3: What's the big deal?
2: <laughs> like, what What are we even talking about? Two inches on the knees? Like, what? Is this conversation really happening? Are there mothers who cry for days on end because of two inches on them skirt? It's something that a very specific. I mean, I read about the Mormons. They have their certain specific underwear and they have their also their specific sneers. Rule. I don't know if, if the Mormon mothers are crying about it. I have no idea. But anyone in the regular world, <laughs> that's what I yeah, meant thanks. about being two people. If I wear my head of the citizen of the world, all of these things seem so irrelevant almost. Yep.
0: Well... The reason I wanted to highlight this, even though we sound crazy to the outside world by having this conversation, by showing how this impacted the dynamics in our family and so many other families, because the communities that focus on this so much are also the communities who don't acknowledge or deal with this publicly or talk about the social shame or the embarrassment or even having these conversations. So often the conversations end there and relationships are never repaired. That's where it ends. I think talking about it is a
2: first step. I think you brought up a very important point because I always said that the first workshop for growing citizens of the world is the family unit. Your siblings, your parents, these are the first other nations that you meet and you learn to navigate and negotiate with to survive in the best possible way. So I think that the challenges that we were talking about In all their colors and ranges are a microcosm of the struggle to grow together, to appreciate and value people and choices that are different than our own. And our success in being able to love each other and to really genuinely engage with each other and want to be with each other is ultimately what we're all working towards as we repair the rift. Caused by Mephiras Yosef. And I think this week's parsha that Yehuda comes to Yosef and doesn't let go. And Yosef relents and it ends with tears, but it also ends with some measure of forgiveness, forgiveness. and re- reunification. Resolution. Yeah, but it, also it keeping like a distance. not perfect and it's certainly not the end of the journey. It's the beginning of our national journey. But I think this conversation highlights that we're on that journey
1: is there a chance that this distress that you went through was never about the skirt that it was that the skirt was just something to put it into to what do you mean it was it about parental control like maybe just the fear of separation or before i left home like we understood each other completely we were completely on the same page and then at some point that wasn't the case anymore and it was realizing things aren't what they are but just it manifested in in the two inches and that's why the two inches actually ended up being much more than two inches and it ended up being a thing where i can't talk to you and i
2: feel betrayed you felt betrayed or i felt betrayed you felt betrayed
0: the question is very often when people talk about their eating disorders, it's very common right. that that's the symptom, that's not the issue. So Esty's asking if the skirt was that the symptom of something else or was that the that
2: end of the issue? I don't think that the taste was a symptom, but I, I would have to think about it longer.
3: I think it's an element. What you're mentioning is for sure an element. The separation and that's what that's Essie. That because seems to even be your like thesis. She was
2: far away and I never felt separated from her. I always felt extremely connected to Essie, to all, really, to all my kids.
3: But there was also the fear before you stabilized wherever you did religiously, or I don't know, a lot of your journey, I don't, I'm, I'm aware that I don't know you day to day. There was the fear of where is this going to end? Right? That's very different.
1: What's the point? The point is that this
2: is like a live therapy show that's just televised to that's everyone. It's a good question.
3: I wasn't sure, also, what's the...
2: I stated my, my reason for coming on was because when I was going through hard times, no one wanted to talk about it, and nobody would talk about it, and I was looking for There's support. people group. that might feel... I remember just wrestling with one woman and saying, I, my, my precious, precious daughter, she's not dressing like a proper Jewish daughter. So that must be bad. <laughs> i stating... <laughs> like thank that was that was really helpful and (laughs) validating said well you know you probably gave mixed messages in the home and you Mm -hmm. probably did this and you probably did that and this is what you get so like thank you so much like well i want to say there's
3: every possible outcome of a child comes from every possible input by parents, right? So the they, reason
2: why I came on to just share a little of my experience was because I had no one to talk to, and no one would talk to me, and it was very and that's so sad.
1: But didn't Danielle, Daddy, Dovey, Frady, Didn't everyone talk to you? Or you're saying someone else who you couldn't sympathize with? I I
2: needed to talk to someone who who survived what I was going through, and that would show me that I don't have to bury myself in the present. That there will be life. Life will go on. All the people that you mentioned were just sinking into the mire with me. So really, the whole point of this podcast should be if someone comes crying to
1: you that their daughter's skirt is two inches short, don't tell them that you did things wrong. Tell them it will work out fine. Focus on the future. That's that's your ultimate message to the other women suffering from the same thing, right?
2: First of all, in our case, you were much older. What does a parent do if their 12-year-old child is doing things? I, I guess that would be a different conversation for, and someone else would have to discuss that because I think that is very different than an adult child making decisions. Well, I remember also from my childhood, Boobie telling us a story about a lady in Muncie saying, what do you mean adult children? You are always the mother and you always say what you want and you always decide for your children and they always will listen to you and that's that. I remember Boobie saying to me, wow, that's a completely different worldview than we have because like you know we don't make those kind of demands on adult children adult children already make certain decisions for themselves yeah. and exactly at it. what point is the child an adult that gets to make their own decisions
1: so if you could go back and you could have had the support you wanted what would have been the most helpful support for you at that time other than frady's podcast
2: you know i think i took advantage of the most help that i could find i I don't know. I just wish I could have connected with you quicker, more directly. Like you probably instinctively—I won't use the word—hid from me, whether to save me from pain or to save yourself from being near me while you weren't interested in dealing with my own issues.
1: Doesn't yeah.
2: Right. So, but all that separation, somewhere was it caused more rift and caused more distance. I wish I could have. Bridged the distance much quicker. On the other hand, I think every challenge, every challenge in life, has to be processed, and it takes time.
1: How long did this one? Some be? people it
2: can some already. people can internalize things quicker. Some. People- but
1: I remember us already being on good terms, like a year before I got married, feeling totally comfortable with you again. Do you remember? 25- I I remember twenty five. I also remember
2: when you were twenty two, coming home, and we had amazing visits.
1: The stern years were the tough years.
2: Stern years, you know? though
3: still not externally. Visit- no, we didn't know one question whether... Well, I
2: think it was all your stern years that you came back every year and you were doing winter camps and we were amazing. Yeah, but it was very... Tent- like Dovi's Ofruf
1: in Moscow. Do you remember? I came late. So I made Kiddish and you got upset that you're a feminist now you're making Kiddush. And it didn't even
2: cross
1: my mind. Like, we always just made Kiddush when we needed Kiddush. I thought it's so great. No, so provide, I had no idea what was coming later.
3: I, I just want to say I commend both of you do, or all three of you for doing this podcast because...
2: Oh, I'm very, very happy to hear Dovi giving his commendation because before when he heard that I'm doing this podcast, he was not pleased.
1: I, I wanted to commend Dovi and Frady, both of you, and, and Danielle, a huge one. Through this whole journey, and Dovi, you're you're so much firmer, and I know, and I know that you must have been so critical, but you, to me, you are so kind gen- and accepting, and made was, me feel
3: it was truly so genuine.
1: good. And I felt comfortable in all of your homes, and thanks to that, you know that that's a huge reason of me wanting to stay connected to Yiddish Guide and and be positive about it, and that
3: I made a conscious decision because I didn't live life intentionally for a long time. I just rolled with the punches, I acted intuitively. And then at a certain point in my early adult life, I made a conscious decision that I love you very much and I want you to be part of my life. And, and if I want it to happen, rationally speaking, and then I always thought that, oh, it should be genuine. And then I never, you know, faked anything, but I wonder like, if I was annoying to you,
1: I'm very grateful. I remember in Gateshead once there were those pay phones and you had to wait in line forever to get them. And once I got a line for a phone and I started calling all of the numbers in my phone book and no one was picking up. And then I called Dovey and he picks up. And I'm like, Dovey, hi. And he's like, I'm busy. I'll call you. Call me in two days. And I was like, in two days? What am I <laughs> supposed to do for two days? I'm so sorry. But I was so nervous about you. leaving. I America. I was so nervous about leaving and there was going to be no real Torah in America and everyone's so full of means. and you told me you'll get me tapes of Rabbi Franz and he also knows the Kare muna It's not only Rabbi muna.
3: It's like, it's, it's funny what you're saying because exactly what mommy and daddy told me. You're going to Panovich. You're not Panovich. Take the good and leave the bad. Complain.
1: And then go to Stern and you're not Stern no, So well, With
3: me, I felt like with me and Benji, so send it to Panovich and then go to air show. Okay, so, but Panovich is not like Gateshead because you're learning all day and different, and really you're learning all day. If you enjoy learning, then the rest is a sideshow, because that's what you're doing literally all day. And then going to another show is not Stern either, right? right? And it worked out well. At least that's the way it seemed at that time. I think, okay, so of course, of course. so we'll just send her to gates and then we'll send her to Stern. Well, not- no, that's that's just a natural. But like, it seems like a very explosive even take any person. Put the first the gates at a year and a half then put it in their show. Put in the <laughs> stern the, and then end happens. Nerezo will definitely be that. would be very problematic. All the way from your family 5,000, 10,000 miles away. Sounds like a... Like a, a
2: recipe for arrested
3: a, a recipe for something happening. But, you know? A, for
0: self-discovery.
3: For self-discovery. Exactly.
2: The
0: world is my In making time. individualized choices. Independent... There. I remember Susan saying
3: when Ethne was 14 or 15, she should go to Halleville. Thank
0: you so much for being open to having this conversation. And what we do here is we share our experiences with so many people who go through these experiences on their own, never knowing what to do with those thoughts and feelings and feeling like they're all alone. And they're not. Thank you, Frades. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Mommy, I love you. I love you. Thanks for I love you thanks all. for
1: growing with me and accepting my choices. God sei dank. God dank.
0: And the episode is over. After recording this episode, both my mother and my sister acknowledged that this was the first time they talked to each other about this. I hope this was a helpful conversation to hear and learn from. I'd love to hear from you. If you would like to sponsor. A future episode, please do reach out. I am accepting your support. If you'd like to participate in the discussion group on WhatsApp, please message me and I'll happily add you in to the WhatsApp group. As always, I love hearing from you. Thank you for your private messages and your emails. I'm excited for the next few episodes that are coming out. So stay tuned for that. This is a Jewish coffeehouse podcast. So make sure to check out the network. There is a new episode on Intimate Judaism just dropped this week. So go check that out and have a great week.